Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest is a near and dear LinkedIn friend of mine, Jessica Williams. With experience across a number of industries, including oil and gas, retail, financial services, telemedicine, and marketing, Jessica has developed high-level skills in people operations. After finishing her undergraduate studies at Stephen F. Austin State University, Jessica went on to complete a master's to extend her skills and knowledge in community health management, health promotion, and public health ethics. She is now the vice president of people at Refine Labs, using her value-driven leadership and creative problem solving for strategic talent acquisition, performance management, diversity and inclusion, and policy development. Jessica, thank you so much for agreeing to this podcast. And it's so funny for those that are listening. Jessica took the words out of my mouth. I was like, I feel like we're friends because we comment on each other's stuff on LinkedIn. And she said it right before I could even say it. So it's so funny. Also, it made me sound super important. None of it's a lie, but it's like, oh, wow. When people read that shit, I'm like, oh, cool. Like I I have done some things. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of low key impressive. Okay. Yeah. Give yourself some hype. Let's do that. But low key impressive. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, let's continue that. Tell us a little bit more about yourself outside of the amazing bio you have. Yeah. So, outside of the bio in my personal life, I'd say I'm about to get married. So, I'm planning a wedding. Um, yeah. I'm getting married on 11 11 22 because I'm cliche like that. Uh-huh. Okay, wait, 11's my lucky number. Like 111 is my thing. I have a whole weird thing with it. This was meant to be. I love it. This is meant to be. So November 11th, I'm going to get married. I'm actually, I am a born and raised Texan, but my fiance is from Las Vegas. So I am moving to Las Vegas in September. Very excited. I never thought I'd say I'm moving to Vegas, but I am. Um, Love will make you do crazy stuff. So (laughs) I'm moving to Vegas. But the great thing is that my job is fully remote. So it doesn't matter where I live. They do not care at all. And we have fully distributed team at Refine Labs. So nothing with my job's going to change. I'm just going to bring my laptop to Vegas. So I'm really excited about that. But yeah, outside of the bio, I've been in HR for about 10 years and I consider myself to be a disruptor. I think the old way of doing HR is broken. I've done a couple of LinkedIn posts that kind of got some people fired up because I talk about defunding HR or burn that shit to the ground. If you want to do traditional HR, um, I think you're you're really lost and you should probably quit and you're probably old. That's just how I feel about it. Um, <laughs> so I think you need a new way of thinking. So yeah, that's what I'm all about. I love that. And that's why I love your post too, because I agree. I mean, I worked in HR and recruiting first part of my career before starting my own business on this podcast. But that's what I tell people. People are like, HR is so great. I'm like, yes, it should be great. And it should be people focused, but it's not like, at the end of the day, I've had so many clients with HR horror stories and just yep. like the old way of thinking. So, and I love all your posts because I get fired up. I'm like, my <laughs> queen, you tell them, you stick it to them. I love it. But what are some of these things that you feel like these organizations need to change, especially when it comes to HR? Yeah. So there's so much and it's ironic because with everything going on in the world right now, I've actually told people, friends and family, don't trust your HR person. If you don't feel like you could tell them the truth or what's going on and that they're going to, one, believe you, and two, act on it, don't trust them. And it's funny that I say that as a VP of HR um, (laughs) because I've seen it myself. I've been through it my own self, even being at HR. And so I think a lot of companies right now are just stuck in the we can tell people what to do mentality. And let's be clear, that shit's over. Like employees are standing up. They're making posts about their employers like, you know, people make policies that they don't actually believe in or that they're not actually doing. 
This most likely comes out in DEI spaces where companies will put out a DEI statement and then an employee that's a person of color will link to it and say, this shit's fake. Mm-hmm. And so they're calling them out left and right. And so I think that I think employee handbooks, I'm a big advocate of like it's trash. It's a legal document. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't want to be writing a legal document. And most times the employee handbook has to come from HR. Bullshit. So at the company I'm at right now, I said, no, scrap it. We're not doing that. We're going to do a culture book because that's what I want to talk about is the culture here. What is it going to be like to work here? Why should you want to be here? I am not going to treat you like a child. A handbook is all the things you do not do. I don't have time for that. I'm, I don't have any children. I actually don't really like being around children. It's just not my thing. So I don't want to go to work and treat people like kids. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what's true. And I've given people the same advice, like <laughs> don't trust HR and don't do any of that. And it's just like, ugh, there's so many horror stories. And I, I, my big joke is like, we need to have like some type of podcast or some like black book of horror stories from HR. Cause I'm even gasping sometimes when people are telling me, I'm like, and you being a career coach yourself as well. It's like, excuse me, what? Like you can do for these things, you know? So that could be a whole other podcast. Yes. I have a whole thing about like HR people that I don't like. <laughs> right. You're not going to invite me to speak at Sharp. <laughs> Fuck HR. They're the worst. No, <laughs> I love this. And I feel like anyone like yourself, like myself, who's super passionate about this, not that we want to bring these things up, but is there any pivotal moment for you when you were like, wow, this shit needs to change? Oh, yeah. I tell people all the time that I learned how to be a leader from people that were not leaders to me. So I have so many stories about me being earlier in my career and being told. And for those of you that are listening, I'm a black woman. So I was told throughout my career that I was too aggressive, that I talked too much, that I needed to tone it down. All these like pretty egregious things. And I call bullshit on it. Like, uh, no, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not taking any of your advice. And it worked out for me. But I will say, like, I saw this in the HR department as I was working in HR. So I was seeing it around me and thinking, like, this is not the way. Like, this cannot be how it has to be done. Now, mind you, now I'm in a position of power because I am a VP. So I can make the rules. I'm writing the policy. I'm doing what I want to do and what I think is best. I can make it better for people that are coming behind me. And so the higher up I got, the more vocal I got because I could. And I want to acknowledge that. Like when I was in my first job and I was a contractor, I was a contract recruiter. There's no way that I could say the things that I'm saying now and keep my job. But now that I'm in a different position, I'm even more vocal. Like it's almost like, who going to check me? What you going to do about it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so true, though, because I was just talking about this the other day where I worked in recruiting too, first part of my career, and I was super quiet. Like, just put your head down. Don't rock the boat. Just do what you're told. I mean, to the point where I got belittled for two hours in a male-dominated environment, making 18 grand less than my coworkers, told I'm going nowhere with my life when I quit for a better opportunity. And then like HR was not on my side about anything because I mean, nasty emails out to the whole company, like you name it, it happened. And it's just like, looking back, it's crazy. And even now I'm like, fuck it. I got fired. I started this company. I told my boss to go fuck himself when he fired me. And I did. True story. (laughs) I don't recommend doing that when you're quitting unless you know you're going to start your own thing. But it's true being vocal and I get people some 
friend's family, they're like, really? You, you really want to put that on LinkedIn? Or LinkedIn's not Facebook. That's my favorite thing. I'm like, get your boomer attitude out of here. Yeah, yes, like, just leave. Just back. Right. Go back to Facebook <laughs> and if you want it. But that's like a big piece of this too. And that's why we got connected, why I love you so much because you are this like person that just like destroys people that are trolling you and just like, like screw you on everything. But what's made you kind of like, and I don't know your backstory on LinkedIn, but when did you kind of put focus on LinkedIn and see the value of it? Yeah, it's actually been recent. So it's ironic because I have like 23,000 followers. And most of those actually came from the beginning of my career when I was a recruiter. So I like was not quote unquote trying to be like an influencer or anything. I was trying to recruit people. So I got a bunch of followers that way. And then I'd say in the last 12 months is when I started to be like, you know what? I got a lot to say. <laughs> and I joined an organization where I really felt psychologically safe to like say whatever I wanted to say. And it wasn't going to be a problem. Right. And that wasn't the case at previous employers. I was actually told to not post on LinkedIn because it looked bad for the company. But where I am right now, everybody posts on LinkedIn. Everybody has their own side hustle. Like me having my own business is not a problem. So in the last 12 months, I've become very, very vocal. And it has helped me. Like so many opportunities have been open to me because of what I'm doing on LinkedIn. Just last week, I had a meeting with someone from USC um, in Georgetown, and I'm going to be a guest lecturer because they found me on LinkedIn. Awesome. So it's like, what? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, is this is this reality? But yes, the stuff that I'm saying about HR and how it's not working and we need to change it. I'm now going to go lecture at universities that I'm going to be honest, I probably could have got into. But it's just crazy. Full circle. <laughs> it is. And that's what we were talking about before, like the amount of people you meet, the opportunities, like Absolutely. I mean, I've met plenty of people off LinkedIn that have just been, I like to say oodles, like oodles of business I've received yes. from it too. And it's just like, you find the right people I feel like come to you based on your posts. Like, yeah, you're going to have a lot of hate. You have a lot of haters. You know what? I'm so petty that I troll them right back. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's amazing. But how do you handle like with the, I don't want to say fame of LinkedIn, yeah. that's cliche, but like the popularity you're receiving on LinkedIn, how do you handle those trolls and not let them get to you? There is a science to it. And let's be honest, I'm human just like everyone else. So I definitely have had like, I've had some like straight up people make fake accounts to like send me hateful messages. I've been called out of my name as a black person. That's normally the first thing that they attack is my race which is, okay, none of the shit is original. Like, it's like, are we back in the 1950s? Like, am right. I marching for my rights right now? It's a grain of salt because with all the stuff that has happened that was negative or people sending me hate mail, there has been so much love. Every single day, people are sliding in my DMs, telling me about their stories, asking for my support or my help, or even just encouraging me. Like, just yesterday, I got a message from somebody that had interviewed at the company. We decided not to go with her but she still follows my content. And she was like, hey, I know it didn't work out with me, but I just want you to know, like, thank you for all the things that you're doing. And it like, those are the messages oh, yeah. that get me. So like the hate mail, it comes with the territory. It's bullshit. And I realize that it's normally from, you know, people that they would never be brave enough to say this to my face. You know, it would never happen. They'd see me on the street and like, run the other way. So I'm okay with it. <laughs> right. Cause I get people like, I, I of course preach like how important LinkedIn is and anything. And that's always the drawback. They're like, well, I don't, I can't handle if people yell at me and this and that. I'm like, 
they're keyboard warriors. So like you said, I mean, I'm the first pick up the phone and if it's a client or anything and say, what's what's our problem? We got, oh, I, I don't know. I don't, like, no, you're a keyboard warrior. They would warrior. never say it to your face. And that's what actually gives me satisfaction is that people have made up fake email addresses. I'm talking about gone like deep into making a fake persona to try to tear me down. And if that is what you have to do to try to tear me down and you won't even say who you really are, then it's almost like I really love Brene Brown and she talks about the people that are not in the ring with you. So these people are not in the ring with me. They're not even willing to say who they really are. So I won't give it the time of day. Right. And it's like, <laughs> you have that time to do that. Like, what? That much time. Do you have a job? Oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> I had a quick story. I had one guy... I don't know how we got connected. He might've reached out to me about a resume or something. And he was preaching, like posting transphobic and sexist things on LinkedIn. And of course he had the open to work banner. And I, I messaged him. I go, I am disconnect. I am blocking you. And let me tell you, this is why you're not getting a job. No, no one would ever hire you. Stop being this way. And if you are a piece of shit, go take it elsewhere. Cause nobody's going to hire you. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand people, but no. yeah, the trolls are part of the territory, but I won't let it stop me. It is what it is. It's what it is. I do what I want. I love that. Now I saw, and I've listened to it a little bit. You started your own podcast. So what went into that? Yeah. So talking about being at a place where I felt safe, my COO, who is actually who I report to, she and I started a podcast together. Funny story about that. Like most people didn't know that I reported to her and they're listening to the podcast, including my mother. My mother was like, oh, you and your friend sound so good. And I was like, mom, that's my boss. <laughs> Like, I don't report to her. But anywho, we started a podcast on like being a talent destination, because as we know, most employers, like it's hard to keep people nowadays. It's so competitive. And so what are we doing to make ourselves a quote unquote talent destination, knowing that we want people to come work for Refine Labs, but knowing that's probably not their last stop. Like, that's not realistic. People don't work somewhere for 30 years like they used to. My dad worked at the same company for 32 years. That's unheard of. Okay. That's just not how it works. So now we're thinking, how do we first get people here and then make it a great experience? And then when they leave, they become alumni and like our advocates for us. So even thinking through like the alumni process, because a lot of times, you know, unfortunately, when you leave a company, a lot of times you're getting bashed. But why? Like if you came, you did a good job and you left. Why is it a negative that you want to go somewhere else? Like you could still be an advocate for the company. So the podcast is about all things culture. We talk about D&I. The latest podcast that just came out, we had a guest speaker that is a DNI expert, and we talked about white supremacy in the workplace, which most people are afraid to talk about. But mm -hmm. we went there. We went all in on like, how does this work? Megan is a white woman. I am a black woman. So we even talked about that dynamic. How does this work? How are we making sure we are inclusive in that we are not letting one person or one race or one gender or one anything dominate the company culture? That's so true. You know, no one's ready for that conversation yet. I don't want to say nobody is, but like very few people are just like, oh, it's a race thing. Oh, it's a sex thing. And it's like, <sighs> wake up. Right. <laughs> right. And that's what people need to understand is it's just like, why wouldn't you want people from different backgrounds? Why wouldn't you want people from different cultures, especially for working one-on-one -on -one with clients? Like I love the international experience I work with or yeah, I am the first. There are some names I can't pronounce, but then you politely say that and just say like, I am sorry, but please help me understand this. Or different cultures have different ways of communicating. 
And then it's just like you get the product done. It's fun to have different cultures and celebrate different backgrounds and different holidays and understand it. Like innovation, you cannot have innovation and have everybody be the same and have group think they all have the same lived experience. Like you need diversity to be innovative. And so for businesses, like we've seen it time and time again, like the whole shit that happened with Nike, where they designed this whole thing. And you're like, how was it okay to put the Confederate flag in like a whole campaign? And nobody thought to say, hey, this could be offensive to people. It's because you did not have diversity in the room. So it just feeds into itself. (laughs) Right. Where are companies, and I know you could probably talk about this for a while, but what do companies need to do outside of the whole like happy pride month, happy woman's month bullshit that they do to consistently be an inclusive environment? Yeah. So we're done with the performative allyship. Okay. We're done with it. Okay. Don't bring it up. We're not here for it. We don't want you to post the black box. We don't want you to make your logo a rainbow. And then you're still not being inclusive to the people that are actually there. So my word of advice is instead of thinking about this from a PR stance, Think about your current employees. Do they feel safe? Can they speak up? Do you even have anyone that is open to talking about race, their sexuality, their religion, anything that makes them different? Are people even talking about that? So that's like a step one, because a lot of times you will make your companies will make their logo a rainbow, but yet nobody in the organization feels safe to come out at work. And until recently, I have a really close friend um, who came out at his job. I didn't even know this was an area of opportunity for me. I didn't even know that that was a thing that you had to do. So he was, and mind you, he and I have been friends for a long time. I've met his partners. It's not a problem. But I didn't know that his job didn't know about that. So he was one way at work and one way outside of work. And I did not even know that. So that opened my eyes to like people are having to truly perform at work and not being accepted. And so that's one way to think about it. Even the resource groups, like I even think some companies have hijacked employee resource groups and made it like, oh, we, you know, this little group over here, but what about the people that actually need a sense of community? Like at Refine Labs, we have Refine Black for our Black communities. Let me give you an example. After the recent Buffalo shooting, every Black employee took days off work and nobody had a problem with it. And we then had a meeting for people that are non- Black, so our white employees, to have their own ally meeting so to not cause more harm by asking questions to Black people when we are already in distress. So do the work. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's something so simple to do, like just have different groups. Like that's entirely possible and very simple. Like um, And it costs nothing. Like literally after this happened, we had someone who I consider to be an amazing ally, a white woman, who said, I'm going to have a meeting, but I want this to be so that people can like express how they're feeling, but not cause further harm to our Black employees by asking questions like, how are you feeling? What the, you know to I be mean? Like, this is more harmful to us. Like, we are in distress. So you have your own meeting as an ally. You guys get together and talk about how you can support us. <laughs> I even think like part of onboarding or training should be that piece of it, of how you interact or how like, hey, you can't ask people certain, like the amount of people that don't understand what you can't ask as a recruiter is insane to me. I mean, I even would scream across the room when I'd recruit and be like, you can't ask when they graduated college. You cannot ask if they are married and having kids, like stop doing that. But that piece of it, and then just understanding like when 
horrible situations happen. And I'm so thankful I'm out of corporate with everything that's happened last week. But I just feel like there needs to be some type of training that here's how you handle like from a men's perspective, how you can support like your women employees doing this bullshit Roe versus Wade overturning. But and hopefully when this comes out, things will get better. But who knows? Maybe something <laughs> dramatic else will happen at this time. But uh, I'm like, is this a nightmare? But yeah. it's fine. So it's just like, just be a good person at the end of the day. Like, don't be stupid. And it's just, I hate, I hate everyone. And you know what? One thing I will say, and I credit Madison on LinkedIn, if you don't follow her. She's Madison Butler? Yes. In the words of Madison, fire people. Okay. People that are not uplifting the culture that you claim to have. If you claim to support DEI, fire people that are not upholding to that value. Okay. Be very clear. How are you rewarding? And how are you affirming your own core values? If you claim to one diversity and inclusion, why is it that people that are not upholding to that are getting promoted? Make it make sense. The math is not mathing. Fire their ass. Right. (laughs) Or even like you, just because you've been at a company for 10, 15, 20 years does not make you a good leader. And you should not just get promoted just because you've had longevity. No, that's another place that HR could do better. These battlefield promotions. That's what I call them. It's you're just here. You're on the battlefield. Everybody else is bloodied and they're bruised. So you're here. So you're a leader. No, that's not real. (laughs) That's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah. And even more so, so many people are looking for jobs now. And I'm just like, after 30 years, you want to leave after X amount of years, you want to leave because it's a bad leader, someone that has zero business being in leadership. Yeah. And this is why people leave. Like they, I feel like, yes, of course, companies, but oftentimes it's bad leaders too. Most of the time it's leaders. I've actually, um, I stayed at a company for years past when I wanted to, because I loved my leader. And the moment she was out, I was out. You know what I mean? So people, the leadership, especially middle management, there's something to be said about like the C-suite and, you know, leaders that are VP and above at my level. But there's also a lot that needs to go into as far as training and development for middle managers. They are the bread and butter of who people are really interacting. And that just gets lost. It's just high level C-suite or then this is just basic. And something I also want to talk about because... I don't remember how I've been having this conversation a lot, but so many business owners or companies, whoever, C-suite don't understand, like take the initiative to keep people long-term. Like you said, what you're doing at Refine Labs of just keeping people long-term, turning them into alumni, but talk to us on how much money it costs for people to get training to then leave you in a few months or a year. It's ridiculous. Okay. So even if so, and I've given this analogy to a couple of leaders before because they're like, oh, you know, they have this mentality sometimes that people are replaceable. Like, oh, well, this person isn't working out. We'll just find somebody else. You're not giving into effect how much time and time is money, how much time it is going to take to get this person to where this person is that just left. So let's say the person that left was only there a year. Okay. The time it's going to take to find someone else, so the recruitment team's time, get them onboarded and get them up to speed, especially if it's a specialized role. So if we're talking leadership or any type of specialized role, just add out $20,000 more, just off of time, just time alone. And then you also have to think about, is this person like, are they adding to the culture? Is the culture what they want? Are they going to be one of those people that leave in the first 90 days? Because that's when most people in the first 90 days, they know if they if it's for them or not. And then add on to the fact of what we just talked about, bad leadership. You're having to replace them. The leader might not be the best leader, so they're not going to help onboard. And it's a vicious cycle. If you think about, let's just do easy math. 
if somebody's making $100,000, the amount that you're going to pay to replace them is closer to two fifty, dollars And that's just off of time. That's time and money to get them up to speed. So when you think, oh, this person, oh, we'll just replace them. Okay, that's all well and cute until shit is not getting done. <laughs> right. It's so true. Like I always say that time is money, opportunity costs, like basic economics, like this is such a problem. And I used to be an automotive recruiter. So it was always like, well, if they leave, we're going to find someone else. And like, how are you about to be so angry when someone starts before like you even can do anything? Like what? You're going to push people out yourself then. Yeah. And if that's your mentality that everyone is replaceable, people feel that. And on a different note, if you think that everyone is replaceable, then you are also replaceable. So don't forget that part. (laughs) Take a step back. (laughs) Now you have your own business on the side. How do you manage doing this and being such a high level VP of a company? Like how, and getting married and doing all this craziness. (laughs) Like how the hell do you balance it all? You know, I'm the president of Overachievers United, okay? (laughs) There's something about it, but no. So for me, one of my passions is helping particularly women of color in the workforce. And so one of the things in 2020, I sat back and I thought everything that happened with the uprising and I thought, what am I going to do? Now, mind you, I was donating money. I was out in the street protesting, but I knew where my value is, is in a corporate workspace. Cause I know how to navigate that. I know how to interview. I know how to write resumes. Like this is what I do. So I started my career coaching business with that in mind that I'm going to help women of color get into business or if they want to transition to a new industry or all of those things. So right now, several of my clients are transitioning teachers and they are trying to mm-hmm. get into corporate workspaces in like HR, learning development and all that stuff. So that was the whole like passion behind it. So I consider it, it is a side hustle, but it's like a passion for me to help people. So most of the time, like you said, I, I'm a VP, so I'm working during the day. So it's mostly evenings and weekends that I'm doing career coaching or writing people's resumes or doing interview prep. Um, I've even gone as far as like people that don't want to leave their job, but they're trying to get promoted. Um, I will help them go through this process of like what to say to their leader and how to write it out and why you deserve this. So it's definitely a passion of mine, but it, I mean, let's be honest, like I'm running out of time to do it, (laughs) but I love it. I do love it. So right now I have four clients that I'm working with all with like interview prep and all of those things. And it's just, it's what I love to do. So even if it costs me like my evenings or my weekends, I'm willing to do it. That's amazing. We need more people like you. (laughs) And it's so funny because What did I get from a client the other day? They're like, I had a client starting her own consulting business. She's like, well, my other competition and everything. And it's just, it's so funny because yes, we do the same thing, but like, it's not competition. You have a niche you're working within. I work with the people that don't know what the hell they want to do when they grow up is what I like to say. But it's just like, you learn from each other so much. I've learned so much from you being in a pure like HR role that you were. I was more on the recruiting side, as I mentioned. So It's just like anyone listening, you want to surround yourself with people who are passionate about what they do, have these conversations like we're having, because I'm even learning stuff from this um, podcast recording, but you're good people. That's why. No, and I think that there's a way to do it and have a sense of community. So I even think about, there's another lady on LinkedIn who does career coaching as well, April Little. She is amazing. So I think that there's so many things that we could learn from each other. And it's not like, 
I'm taking clients from you. But it's funny because I will say this. I was in the middle of doing a big project in my role, in my, my I call it my nine to five and my five to nine. But, you know, my nine to five, I was in the middle of doing a big role and I had like three different clients come to me and I referred them to you. Like, I can't help you right now, but here is somebody who could help you. So I even think that's the way to do it because to your point, like I can't do, like you're doing this full time. You have more capacity to do this than I do. And I recognize that. So I refer people to you. <laughs> I was just going to get into that. And thank you for it, but you beat me to it. That's the funny thing. And you have to just like look out for the person yes. at the end of the day. Like, yeah, you could have taken them on, but then you have to look out for yourself, yeah. your own mental health and well-being. You have to make sure they're getting what they need and they feel, you know, not dragged down because things couldn't be like uh, agreed upon. Well, this has been so much fun. I, we could, we're going to have to do another one because yes. you're... I would love to come back. Okay. Anytime you want to talk about burning HR to the ground, call me. (laughs) I will. So as we wrap it up, where can people find you? Of course, on LinkedIn, we'll put all your links in the show notes, but where else, if someone wants to work with you, where can they find you? Yes. So my career site and company is called Hidden Gems. So you could go to hiddengymcareercoaching.com. Definitely super active on LinkedIn. So if you just type in Jessica Williams in Refine Labs, um, you can find me there. And I'm also on Instagram at Hidden Gym CC. Um, so those are the main ones, but definitely slide in my DMs on LinkedIn. That's like the easiest way to get to me. <laughs> I love it. And my last question, I love to ask people, any parting words of wisdom for listeners? Yeah. So this is one that I tell my team all the time. So, you know, being a disruptor, it's a lot. Like you're disrupting the status quo. So that's going to come with some hate. So my word of advice is even if your voice shakes, you still speak. I love that. Even if your voice shakes, you still speak. That'd be a good tattoo. I might get that tattoo. I like that. I really like that. That's amazing. Yeah. No, my mom used to tell me that when I was little. If you can believe it, I was a really shy kid. And I would get... I was the same way. Yes. I would get really nervous. And she'd say, even if your voice shakes, Jessica, you still speak up. And so I took that with me. No, <laughs> so true. Because I used to be the same way that I was even telling one of my friends the other day, they're like, you were shy as a kid. I go, oh yeah, I didn't want to, I don't want to, I didn't want attention on me. I wanted to just like, again, head down, no attention. Now I'm like, who wants to try me now? I'll fight anyone. Run up if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, thank you so much. I have just uh, made my whole day. This is so much fun. And for those listeners, thank you again for coming back for another episode of That's Business. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, The Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at The Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.